Sia, how we doing? Man, how are we doing? That, that's what I like to hear. Hey, I, I want to say welcome to all of you guys. My name is Stephen, and I have the honor and privilege of uh, being the young adult pastor here. And I want to say welcome. It's your, if it's your first time, we're so glad that you're with us. You've been coming for a really long time. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, believe it or not, we have a lot of people watching online right now. Can we get up for everyone watching online? And online, give it up for people in the room. Wow, you guys are... Amazing. I love the energy. It's awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're with us. And uh, really, our heart is that you would feel at home in this place. And uh, this place changed my life. I love this church. I mean, I met so many friends here that are lifelong friends. I met my wife here. And so this place is special. Yes. And uh, I hope that you would have the same experience when you come here on a Thursday night. We love uh, what Jeff said. Intentionality is what we believe. Intentionality is what we live. Um, And so we want to make sure that you love this place just as much as we do. And uh, today we're going to continue in our series that we started a few weeks ago entitled The Way. And uh, last week, Diana did a great job at bringing the word, and I am fired up, and I am ready to preach. I had a week off, and I am ready to go. But uh, we started this series called The Way, and really the idea is in John 14, 6, Jesus refers to himself as the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the way, Jesus, in the way that he lived his life so that we could emulate that and we could follow him. And so our heart is that we would learn from him so that we could take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so if it's your first time here, you're like, I have no idea what this is all about. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And I love that. You're going to have the best time of your life. I truly believe it today, and I hope you walk out of here encouraged, seen, loved, because God loves you, and he knows exactly where you are, and he sees you just as you are. But let's go ahead and let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for our time together. Would you be with us, God? Would you speak to us? And God, we're truly just ready for you. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to see you ready to experience you and the newness that you have for us every single Thursday. And so would you do a work in all of our lives? I pray for people that uh, later on are gonna come forward. You've already been stirring in their hearts from the parking lot all the way to now and you're gonna continue to. And so God, I pray that you would just continue to guide us, direct us. And I pray that People would come to know you tonight in a real way, in a tangible way. We thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. About a month ago, um, Jessica and I, we were with a bunch of friends and we were watching the Super Bowl together. And uh, anybody watch the Super Bowl? Okay, we got some of you. If you didn't watch the Super Bowl, what were you doing? No. So we were watching the Super Bowl and uh, we watched the first half of the game and then the halftime show we watched. Anybody enjoy the halftime show? throwbacks. We watched the halftime show and about uh, before the third quarter came to a start, Jessica looks over at me and she's like, hey, I'm going to go with all the girls and we're going to go get some Starbucks. So I give her the keys to the car because we only had my car. And uh, so I give her the keys and she drives off. Me and all the guys, we're all hanging out. We're all watching the game. And about 10 minutes go by, I get a call from Jess and I answer the phone and she's cracking up on the other line and she's like, dude, You're not going to believe it. 
we didn't make it to Starbucks. The car broke down. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, where are you guys at? She's like, we're in a parking lot. And so we're like, God, what, what parking lot? And so I wanted to make sure they were safe. So me and a bunch of the guys, we got jumper cables. Like, I know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to use jumper cables. But we grabbed them because that's what you do to jump cars. And we drive over to the girls to rescue them. We get over to the parking lot. We finally found them. We pull out the jumper cables. I'm looking like, I don't know the positive, the negative, the, the red, the black. I have no idea how this works. So I'm like, hey, why don't you do this? So I looked over at our friend Keanu and uh, we're, we're trying to jumpstart the car. We figure it all out and it's, it's juicing up a little bit. I think that's the terminology that you use. You know, the battery's getting some juice and I start the car up and the only thing that starts up is the alarm. And I'm like, oh, that's not very good. And so we're like, oh, okay, maybe like 10 minutes, we'll just wait. So we waited about 10 more minutes. This thing is juicing, whatever you want to say. And, and this battery is, is recharging or at least attempting to recharge. And I was started again and nothing. And I'm like, what is going on? And so this happened for a little while. Uh, the game is going on. So some of the guys are on their phones like this watching the game. And it's hilarious where we were, the, like the reception wasn't very good. So if you step on a curb, you could see it better than when you, it was like, it was really interesting. That's not a detail you need to know. But we're watching this game and then obviously the car's not starting. And so we're like, okay, we got to call a tow truck driver. And so we call the tow truck driver. He ends up making it. He tows the car to our house. And see, the problem wasn't the fact that my car broke down. The problem wasn't the fact that I missed pretty much the entire Super Bowl. The problem wasn't that Jess took the car out and it ended up dying and it was kind of embarrassing on my behalf because my car that they took out died. The problem was I had this car sitting in front of my house in the street with a dead battery, which meant that I couldn't lock the door. That's a big deal to me, okay, because I am the professional door locker kind of made that about myself because I literally lock every single door. Like if, if you see me, I probably will beat my car five times, then walk over to the car, check to see if it's locked. Then I'll walk back, oh, I don't know if I locked it. Then I'll go back, relock it. In the house, it's the same thing. I'll go to the door, I'll, I'll lock it. And then I'm like, Jess, did, did we lock the front door? She's like, yes, you did, but I'll go back and check it again. Like I have to lock the door. And so this entire night, the Super Bowl comes to an end. We go home and I have this car in front of our house that can't get locked. And I'm like, dude, someone's going to break in. And so it was like having a toddler, not that I know what that is, but it was like having a toddler where we're in bed and all of a sudden any noise I heard that night, I was up looking out the window thinking somebody was going to steal something from my car. And so I would walk, I'll be like, okay, we're good. Let me go back to bed. I got the worst night's sleep of my life. I will never forget that night. And eventually, Jess, every time I got up, she would get woken up. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, the car, someone's going to break in. Like, it can't get locked. There's no battery in there anymore. Like, what am I going to do? Someone's going to steal my car. Someone's going to steal my stuff. And she's like, dude, nobody could steal your car. The battery, it won't even turn on. And I was like, you're right. And then she said these words that I'll never forget. She said, plus, who would want it? Guys, Jessica McKinley right there said those words. You know what? That stung a little bit. Who would want my car? And I was like, and here's the thing. 
I know that there are many of you guys that are like me. We like things that are safe and we like when things are secure. That's the reason I check every single door because I want to be safe. I don't want anybody coming inside my house and I want my stuff to be secure. But a lot of you are probably like me, ladies in the room or ladies online, put it in the chat if you're online. Uh, How many of you go to curl your hair and you curl your hair or use like the, the flat iron, I think it's flat iron? I don't know, you use those tools, you know, the hot tools. And you use those hot tools, you, you plug them in, right, and you, you use it, and you're getting ready for see you're getting ready to hang out with your friends. And then before you leave the house, you check it like three times because you don't want to come back to a burned down house, right? You care about safety, and then you're out with everybody. You might be listening to my message right now, or you might not be because you might be thinking, wait, did I actually unplug the curling iron? Anybody do that? Or how about um, on, on your first date, you're trying to put your best foot forward and, and you go with the safe food option. You're not going to go with the ribs that are going to dirty you and the corn that's going to get stuck in your teeth. You're going to go with the, the safe food option. Why? Because you don't want to embarrass yourself on the first date. You're trying to put your best foot forward. Or uh, how about you're like me. I would love to know by a show of hands who is like me and they double check, triple check, quadruple check the door before you leave. Anybody like me? There's a few of you. There's a lot of people online raising their hands right now. Put it in the chat if you are like me. I wanna know that I'm not alone. But, But the truth is we like when things are safe. We like when things are secure. But, but sometimes in life, we don't always feel that way. There are times when we're, we have a friendship where maybe you don't realize that it's not secure until your friend starts going out with somebody else and you don't get that invite and you have major FOMO and you're like, I don't know if we're actually best friends like I thought we were. And you're looking at the other person thinking, I don't really know, is, is this a secure friendship or not? Or maybe you're in a relationship with somebody and you're in this relationship, but you're not getting the affirmation that you want. And every day you're thinking, are we cool today? Are we not cool today? Like you're on edge trying to figure out where am I? Are we secure in our relationship? Or maybe it's at work and everybody's getting canned left and right. Do you use that word, canned? Everybody's getting like, oh, people, people are like there one day, gone the next day. And you're kind of like, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna go to school, get my bachelor's degree because I don't know if I'm gonna have a job tomorrow. Like, I don't know if this place is very safe or secure. And see, the problem is when you and I, when we don't feel safe, when we don't feel secure, no matter the context we find ourselves in, it often manifests itself itself into insecurities. And the thing about insecurities is that we sometimes don't even know they exist until we're in the moment. And then we're in that relationship, we're in that friendship, we're at that job, and we're like, wait, wait, wait a second. Did that come out of me? And we're not even aware of maybe some of the insecurities that we have in our life, and they manifest themselves in so many different ways. They come out in so many different ways. I mean, as I'm writing this message, I'm like, man, I got some insecurities I didn't even know about. And Let me assure you that all of us in this room, we have insecurities. And so I want you to look around because you're not alone. We all have things in our life. For some, 
It might be when that coworker gets that promotion. And you might not even know you have it inside of you till that coworker tells you they got that promotion and you're like, you mean to tell me you got the promotion and I didn't get the promotion and now all of a sudden you can't celebrate with them and you're trying to put them down? Or maybe for others of you, it's a pay raise and a friend gets a pay raise before you do. And you're like, you got a pay raise before I did. I can't celebrate with you. Or maybe you don't allow people to speak into your life because the feedback that you're gonna get, you're not gonna wanna hear. Or maybe for others of you, you, whenever someone does something good around you, whenever somebody is getting praise and affirmation, you have to shut it down right away. And you're like, look at me. Look at me, because you, you can't handle the praise that they're getting because you want it for yourself. Am I the only one that has insecurities in the room? We all have, di- we all have different insecurities. Maybe some I mentioned, maybe some I didn't, but I want to let you know that you're not alone. But, but here's the thing. If you and I, if we don't handle our insecurities, if we don't get a grip on these insecurities that we're dealing with in our life, they're one day gonna handle us. And so that's why tonight, I wanna talk about this idea of how do, we, how do we handle our insecurity? Because they come out in so many different ways, so many different facets, and I wanna make sure that we at least get a handle so we can figure it out before it ruins a relationship, before it destroys us at our work, before it destroys a friendship, because it kills. And tonight we're gonna be in Mark chapter three, so open up your Bibles to Mark chapter three, but before we get there, I wanna give some context, paint the picture, set up what is happening. You see, in this passage that we're gonna be looking at today, This will be a little bit of a teaching moment. There are two different groups of people that find themselves in this situation. The first group of people are the Pharisees. We've been talking about them a few weeks ago, and they're a religious group of people. They were Jewish people that followed the law that God gave them, and they were big on memorizing the law. And this group started out, like we chatted about two weeks ago, with great intentions, They wanted to keep the the law that God gave them pure. And these Greeks were coming into their territory, into their land, and they're coming in with these different beliefs, and they're like, no, that's not how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to live. So they tried to keep the law pure. They, They didn't want any Greek culture infiltrating into how they lived their life, into how God told them that they need to live. But over time, it got corrupt. And they started adding their own thoughts, their own beliefs, their own interpretation to God's law. And they forced people to live the way they thought they needed to live. Like these guys would actually follow Jesus around like we saw. They would follow Jesus around. And when he broke their their man-made laws that they added to God's law, they would call him out and be like, Jesus, what are you doing in front of everybody? That is the Pharisees. A new group that we're gonna be talking about today, they're called the Herodians. This right here is gonna make sense later on, but they're a group of people like the Pharisees that carried a ton of influence. These guys were Jewish by birth, but when the Greek culture came into their land, they adopted the Greek culture. And so what these 
Herodians did is they started living like the Greeks. They adopted to their culture. They wanted Rome to be in charge of their government. And so we have two very different groups, okay? We got the Pharisees who were big on following the law. Nothing is gonna get in the way, no Greek culture. We got the Herodians, Jews by birth, but when the Greeks infiltrated, they started believing more along the lines of what the Greeks believed. Here they are on opposite sides of the spectrum. They didn't like each other. They both had so much power. They both had so much influence. And that right there is really important, okay? I want us to understand both of those things because it's gonna make our story in Mark chapter three make, make that much more sense, okay? Anybody learn something new? It's amazing. Mark chapter three, starting in verse one, says this. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed a man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Okay, so like we talked about, we have the Pharisees that are in this situation. Jesus is, on, is, is at the synagogue. He finds this man with this deformed hand. He's walking with this man. And it's important to note that this particular day the story takes place is the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day that you set aside. It's a holy day where you rest. You're not to do any work. And so the Pharisees are watching this take place. They're like, dude, Jesus is gonna break this man-made law. Jesus is gonna say something. You see, God gave us that law, but the Pharisees added to that law. And so they're watching Jesus closely. Like, what is he gonna do? And the punishment for breaking the Sabbath, the punishment for working on the Sabbath is actually death. In Exodus 31, 15, it says this, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest. Notice this, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. And so these guys are watching Jesus. They're probably thinking, dude, What is he gonna do? Is he gonna heal this man? And the story goes on in verse three and it says, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. And now these guys are locked. They're probably sitting on the edge of their seats or they're standing there like this, like what is he gonna do? Is he actually gonna heal him? Is he he gonna psych us out? What is he doing? And in verse four, it says, then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. Haters. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And Jesus right here heals the man on the Sabbath. That's a big deal. Now these guys are freaking out. They're like, no way. Did he just heal this man on the Sabbath? And take a look at verse six at how they responded. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod, Herodians, to plot how to kill Jesus. Ooh. Ooh. And this right here leads us to our first thought on how do we handle insecurity? How do you and I Handle it before it handles us. The first thing we need to know is that security stems 
from where your confidence is placed. Security stems from where your confidence is placed. I want us to go back to verse two. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And right here is a picture of what insecurity looks like. The Pharisees, they don't like the fact, they're, they're scared at the fact that Jesus is gaining popularity, he's growing in his following, and over time, you know what happened? They started to feel threatened by him. I mean, you got Jesus who rolls onto the scene, who's loving on people, who's healing people, who's intentional with people. His disciples are ordinary guys, fishermen. He rolls onto the scene, and all of a sudden, he's gaining popularity. People are starting to follow him. And right here, Jesus is trying to do something good. He's trying to heal a man with a deformed hand who could use that healing. And the first thing these guys went to do is put him down. And you know why they did it? Because they felt threatened. They thought that they were gonna lose influence amongst their people. Insecurity, guys, it kills. It kills our joy. When we're at work, and we're comparing our work to somebody else's work, well, we're never truly gonna be satisfied at our jobs. It kills in our leadership because we don't ever wanna make the wrong decision, and so therefore we don't make any decision at all. It kills relationships because the second we feel threatened, we get defensive. We put a guard up. We act sometimes like the Pharisees. We wanna destroy the person that said something to us. And that's the reason this topic is so important. Because when it comes to this idea, we could disguise insecurity, we could cover it up, we could pretend like we're the most secure person in the world. But can I tell you, it's only a matter of time until it comes out. It's only a matter of time until it shows face. You know what's so ironic to me is that the Pharisees were mad at Jesus for breaking God's command in healing on the Sabbath. Meanwhile, the same guys are planning to murder him and break a command on the same day. Isn't that crazy? They're, they're mad at him for breaking the law. They're saying, hey, you can't be healing. And these guys in secret are what? Planning to kill him. Sometimes insecurity doesn't come out, but it's inside of us. Jesus is putting it on display for everybody to see. He's like, hey, man with the deformed hand, come over here. And what are these guys doing in secret? They're planning to kill him. And that's why we gotta make sure that we're really handling. Because if we don't handle our insecurities, if we live life with it, we're gonna act out of emotion. It causes us to worry. We feel anxious all the time. We never feel like we're good enough. We focus on what we don't have and what others do have. And essentially what we do is we magnify ourselves and we make ourselves the main character in the story. These guys were so consumed with self that they could care less that this man was healed. This guy, Jesus did a good thing. He healed this man. But they were so consumed with him not breaking the law, what they added to the law. They were so consumed with all of those things that they couldn't even acknowledge that he did a good thing. And in verse five, 
like we read, it says he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Their first response was to kill Jesus. Two groups that didn't get along, different than one another. They come together because they're losing influence with their people. You see, when we operate out of insecurity, we feel like we're getting attacked, we do some foolish things. And I think it was because they emphasized what they were losing. And it's easy for you and I to get so consumed with our giftings, our abilities, our talents, and look at our situation and say, how come I'm not where I wanna be? How come I didn't get that pay raise when everybody else did? And once we feel threatened in those areas, what do we do? We attack. And that's why we need to understand where we place our confidence. Because if you and I place our confidence in ourselves, we're flawed human beings. We're gonna fail every single time. We're gonna let ourselves down every single time. The second there's someone that comes around that's a little bit better than us, we're gonna feel insecure. We're gonna feel less than if we focus on ourselves, We're imperfect people. We're trying to follow a perfect God. We need to put our confidence in him. And that leads us to my second point. Second thing, how do we handle insecurity? We need to find our security in Jesus. The greatest relationship, the most important relationship you and I could ever have is a relationship with Jesus. If we don't have a relationship with him, we're never truly gonna be satisfied in life. We're never gonna be confident in life. No other relationship between us and him is ever gonna be good enough. The most important one is us in our relationship with Jesus. And Paul, the apostle, he's one of my favorite people. I love Paul, and he's one person in scripture among many that I believe is a great example of what happens when you find your security in Jesus, when you find your confidence in Jesus. See, Paul, he grew up a Pharisee, like we've been talking about. And so Paul is all about the law, and what Paul started doing is he started going around as Saul, and he was persecuting Christians, he was killing Christians. He was attacking Christians. And there's one day that he's on the road to Damascus. And he's traveling on this road and he gets knocked down. He gets blinded. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And eventually, the spark note version of it, he eventually gives his life to Jesus. He goes from Saul to Paul. He has a name change. And Paul became one of the most influential people aside from Jesus himself. This man wrote more than half of the New Testament of our Bibles. And in Philippians chapter three, Paul says these words, and I really want you to listen. When I read these words, they moved me to my core. Because Paul understood what it meant to have a confidence in Jesus. Look, look at what he says in Philippians chapter three. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all 
as garbage. That's a big deal right there. Garbage, Paul? He's trying to show us how important it is. He says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. See, I don't want us to miss this. Paul said, at the end of the day, the law that I memorized, the schooling that I had, the fame, the influence, at the end of the day, nothing compares to my relationship with Jesus. And the truth is, you and I, we live in a world where it's easy to put our confidence in other things. It's easy to find our identity in the friendships that we have. The relationship with our boyfriend or girlfriend where all of a sudden they've become our entire world. The job that we've worked so hard to get and now we're just trying to get that promotion after promotion and we're working and we're working and we're working and we're finding our identity, our worth in what our boss thinks, in the money that we're making. We live in a world where people are living for approval. They're living for the opinions of others and they want to be accepted. They want people to look at them a certain way. But can I tell you, and I can't stress it enough, all those things constantly change. They're fleeting. One minute somebody likes you, the next day they don't. One minute you have that job, the next day you're getting canned or let go. One minute. You're getting promoted, the next minute your friend's getting promoted and making more money than you. The, the, the truth is, it's, it's fleeting. We're never gonna have enough until we find our identity in Jesus because Jesus is the only constant in our lives. And Paul says there is nothing like being in a relationship with Jesus. You see, the Pharisees, they focused on what they could produce, on their achievements, on their accolades, on how they were so much better than everybody else because of the way they lived their lives, because of all the law that they knew. They looked at everybody else and they're like, you don't know how you're living your life. Look at me. I wash my hands before I eat. You don't do that. And what happens is they're focused on all of those different things. And when you and I make life about those things, Insecurities arise because then we start losing our followers. We start losing that influence. We're not producing at the level we think we should be producing. We go for that dream job. We go for that interview and we never get the call back. Those things could make us feel unsafe. Those things could make us feel insecure. But, but can I tell you something? That you're so much more than what you produce. You're so much more than society's version of success. That there's a God that sees you, that loves you, and he loves you for who you are, just as you are. And that right there is the most freeing thing. He's like, no matter the insecurities that you're hiding so nobody else could see, I already see them and I love you. The ones that you show people, I still love you, nothing's changed. No matter your past, 
no matter what you did last night, I love you just as you are, how you are. Can I tell you, and I don't know who needs to hear this, God is madly in love with you. And it's not because of anything you can do. He loves you because you're a human, because you are a child of God, because you are a daughter. He loves you because God loves his creation. He's our creator. And I want some of us to understand that today. You could find your worth and your identity in your job, but it's never fully gonna satisfy. You could find it in that relationship, but you know what? That relationship might come to an end. You're never truly gonna be satisfied unless you find your identity, your worth, your security in what Jesus says about you. Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to be good enough because I am. When you're at your weakest, guess what? I'm at my strongest. When you put your faith and trust in me, you become a child of God. You are the head and you're not the tail. You are loved by God and nothing can change that tonight. You are forgiven. You are set free. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And some of us, we got to remind ourselves of those truths because it's true about you. At your worst, when you wanted nothing to do with God, that was true. He loves you just as you are for who you are. And nothing could separate you from that love that he has. And this right here is the remedy to insecurity. It's finding security in a God that loves you. And some of us need to understand that. Because we get wrapped up in a culture where we base it off of how much money we have in our bank account, how much money we don't have in our bank account, the job title that we have, the relationship that we're in, how we dress, the friendships that we have. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But once you find your security in Jesus, that's the most freeing thing. You wanna know why? Because you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to talk a certain way. He's like, my child, I love you just as you are for who you are. I mean, the fact that God loves you and I so much that at our worst, scripture says, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. The fact that he would go to the cross while we were at our worst, when we wanted nothing to do with him, when we turned our back on him, those things are still true because God is madly in love with you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. Take a look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He goes on to say this. He says, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I wanted to know Christ. You see, I don't want to know of him. I want to actually know him. And like I said a few weeks ago, those are two very different things. We could come here and know of him, but we could actually get to know him daily where we're learning his character, where we're actually believing those truths that he sees us just as we are, he loves us, and that we could be in a relationship with him. 
and that we are sons and daughters of a king. And that right there is the most freeing thing because there's things that I'm working on in my life on a day-to-day basis. But can I tell you, finding my security in him makes it a whole lot easier because when I fail, you know what? Some people might not be there, but he always is. When, when a part of me is, is ugly and it comes out and I'm like, why did I say that? Some people might not forgive me. He will. And I can't stress it enough. He loves you. And I want us to understand that is the remedy tonight, finding our security in what he says about us. Not with other people, not with what we think we look like or how we think we should be acting in what he says. Because you're not good enough on your own. But with him, he's already done all the work and you are good enough because of him. On our own, we're, we're destined for hell. But because of him, we get to experience relationship with him and one day we get to go to heaven. And so right now I wanna give us an opportunity today. I believe there are people in this room. I believe there are people online tonight that need to believe that you are a child of God. And it doesn't matter the earthly relationship that you had with your dad. I'm going through a study with my crew group, with my crew, and we're, we're talking about how God is the perfect father. He's not a representation of our earthly dads. He's the perfect father. And I think some of us, we, we equate God to how our earthly dad treated us here on earth or how our moms treated us, or how a loved one treated us. And can I tell you that he doesn't operate like that. He's not distant. He cares about you. He wants to know you. He wants to be in a relationship with you where you're intimately getting to know him on a day-to-day basis, where you're growing. And the goal is to look more and more like him. And that's how, that's, I love how Louis Giglio put it. He says, he's not a representation of your earthly dad. He's the perfection 